0: Okay, we're gonna look at Revelation 14 again tonight, and uh, if you got any any comments or questions or anything on uh, this morning's message, we'll we'll take time for that too. Okay, let me get over there. Let's uh, let's pray, Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here this evening, being able to gather uh, around your, the study of your word and the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to uh, engage uh, in, these, in these things and be able to fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. So Father, we, we pray, Lord, um, asking for your guidance, asking for um, direction and wisdom in, in, in our uh, study here. Pray for the, for the kids in the back and for them as well, Lord. Please bless uh, what is going on back there and uh, give uh, those that are teaching wisdom and clarity and presenting the message and open all of our, hear- our ears, the kids and adults, open all of our ears to hear what you are saying to your church in this hour Lord uh, use this time together for our edification we pray for your honor and glory and we ask these things in jesus name amen all right let's go to chapter fourteen and look at uh, the remaining verses here um, this is um, uh, i'm I'm just Usually, looking at the little heading in my Bible, yours probably has something similar here down at, at verse 14, the harvest of the earth, and that's that's what it is. That's what's taking place here. Um, and I said this morning where we're at chronologically here is is um, coming right up to the end uh, end of the age. Now I pointed that out because uh, a lot of times when when people are teaching through A lot. Let's say it this way. A lot of the views of the Book of Revelation, you know, they go through the different chapters, the different visions, and try to try to figure out how they are arranged in chronological order. One of the things that I've tried to do as we've been moving through here is uh, is say that I don't think a lot of it is chronological. Uh, I think a lot of time he's telling the same story over and over and over. He's just he's just doing it in different ways, using different imagery. What um, what the Lord is presenting to John, and John is relating to us, is different imagery portraying, oftentimes portraying the same things. But thinking in terms of chronology, um, where are we here in chapter 14? What what we've seen so far, and I I mentioned this this morning, what we've seen so far I think has mostly been talking about events that take place throughout the church age. So, you know, the tribulation and all that we've been talking about. Uh, that's just the life that we live. It's, it's what Jesus was talking about in John 16:33, when he said, In the world you have tribulation. There's trouble in this world because this world is broken. All right? So ever since the fall, uh, ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God and the, the fall of man occurred, um, there has been trouble in the world. Now, that's not different for a Christian. Even though we're born again, even though we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, we still have trouble in this world. And so Jesus, in John sixteen thirty three says very plainly, In the world you have tribulation, but, <clears throat> he goes on to say, take heart, because I've conquered the world. And, and I've, I've said uh, several times already, I think that is a great way to sum up the main message of the book of Revelation. In the world you have tribulation. It's letting us know that. But, take heart. <laughs> because Jesus has overcome the world. So what the book of Revelations does is communicate that same message to us. We're going to have trouble in this world, but in the midst of it all, God is in control. Jesus has overcome the world. In the end, we win. We win because he wins, all right? So um, we've been talking mostly about that kind of thing, just, just con- tribulation that is common to life in this world. But now we're getting to the point, when we get to the, the seven bold judgments here, which actually begins in chapter 15, um, where I think here we're, we're talking about events that take place at the very end of time where God is pouring out His wrath. Um, and, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to unpack some of that as, as we go. So right now we're kind of at the threshold of that. Um, now, in 14.14, and I'm going to go ahead and read the remainder of the chapter here. Uh, beginning in verse 14 with the, uh, the, the end-time harvest of the earth. Verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Okay, um... First of all, what's the what's the main message here? All right, there's a lot of again, there's a lot of imagery here, um, but all of that is to convey um, a, a point. What's the main point here? Well, judgment is coming upon the world. Uh, it's that simple. So, like like we were talking about this morning, we we are we are here offered great assurance for our believers for the kingdom of God. We we are um, assured that we are kept uh, in Christ. We're kept by the power of God, as Peter says, kept by the power of God unto salvation. But for the world, um, great a great time of judgment is coming. God, God pouring out His wrath. So Christians are being told here um, that we're we're going to suffer at the hands of of the beast, for example. That is, the world's going to attack us, and we're not going to be immune to that kind of suffering. Uh, we're going to we're going to experience it. But what we're not going to experience is the wrath of God. So somehow, in the midst of God pouring out his wrath on the world, um, uh, we will be guarded um, and and kept and and preserved unto the day of salvation. All right, so verse 14. I looked and behold, a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man with uh, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another ca- angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come. And that's what I was getting at earlier. In other words, this this is the time. Um, the time has come. We're at the very end of the age. In fact, um, let's see. Just a little earlier on, if you look back in verse 7, we talked about this morning. He, he said with a loud voice, this is the angel who's... Proclaiming the eternal gospel. He said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. So so that's the message here. that, that Time is up. We're, we're at the end. The hour has come. The hour of God's judgment has come. One like the Son of Man um, was seated on a cloud with a golden crown and a sickle in His hand. All right. There's there's it, there's a lot of um, uh, disagreement over who that is. If you look at different uh, commentators, um, there's a couple reasons why. But it, but it certainly it certainly sounds like uh, it's referencing Jesus, doesn't it? Um, and, and, and of course nobody disputes that it sounds that way at first. Um, it, it sounds like, especially since it uses the term Son of Man. You know, that's that's a, a, a title that comes from Daniel seven, uh, when when Daniel sees uh, the Christ being. Given the kingdom um, he he's referred to as the Son of Man, one like the Son of man, so that that same um, wording is used here and and he's coming to reap, so it certainly sounds like jesus what what kind of makes it um, seem like it might not be him is because he's he's commanded here by an angel. To put in his sickle and reap, and so a lot of some commentators have said, you know, it wouldn't be likely that Jesus would be waiting to be commanded by an angel (laughs) to do what he does. Um, But 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 that may be getting in to a little bit, uh, you know, too deeply trying to figure out the detail of the imagery. I don't know. The, The like I say, the main point of the imagery is this: that God has set an appointed time when His judgment is coming. And the earth, uh, the 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 harvest of the earth, so to speak, will be um, fully ripe. In other words, it's 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 that time in which God has appointed, and and those things which He said will come to pass will come to pass. And and by the way, the focus here, of course, is is on the uh, uh, the judgment of of the uh, of the world, the ungodly. So He puts in His sickle to reap. Verse 16, he who sat on the clouds swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out from the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire. We've said several times that fire uh, is often associated with judgment. So that may be the case here. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth for its grapes, are ripe. Again, just a way of, of signifying that um, that the time has come. This is the fullness of time. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the wine, the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. Um, we saw this imagery not too long ago when we were... Um, I'm going to turn back to Joel for a minute. We were going through the book of Joel, and Joel was talking about the day of the Lord, describing events concerning the day of the Lord. And in Joel chapter 3, in his description of uh, the day of the Lord, I'm just going to jump in the middle of it here, I guess. Chapter 3, verse 12. Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full; the vats overflow, for their evil is great. Now that kind of helps us uh, in understanding what um, John is seeing uh, and relating in Revelation when he talks about the uh, the grape harvest being ripe. In other words, they, their evil is great. The evil of the world is great. It, 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 is, it is, comes to its full measure, you might say, where, where the Lord draws the line and says, okay, this is it. It's time for judgment. And then Joel goes on to say in verse 14, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Um Alright, so you see so you see where this imagery is coming from in Revelation fourteen. And it's again it's describing the judgment the judgment of the wicked. And this morning, I'm back up again a little bit in, in Revelation fourteen. We get a little description back in verse nine. Another angel, Revelation fourteen nine, another angel, a third angel, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image, and receives a mark on its forehead or on its hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with the fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark, of its name. All right, so a couple things here. Um, his judgment is coming, and it's 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 sure. Judgment is coming. It portrayed two ways here. One in you know, the pouring of, of uh, undiluted wine. That's what we talked about this morning, or, or tonight. You know, it's it's uh, um, grapes being trodden in a in a vat, the wine press of the wrath of God. But it's 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 coming. Kind of, it's portrayed here, different imagery, imagery, different ways. But the whole the whole uh, uh, thing that he's trying to convey here is that it is sure the world will be judged. All of those who follow the beast will be judged. That's that's their end. In other words, all of those who love the world rather than loving Christ. And I was just looking a little earlier in James. Uh, you know, James says, if we're a friend of the world, then we're the enemy of God. That's that's the idea here. You're you're either a follower of Jesus Christ. and chapter 14, here refers to him as the Lamb. You know, they follow the Lamb wherever he went. Uh, we talked about that this morning. Uh, it's back in uh, what's that? Verse three or four, somewhere around there. It is it is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Verse four. Um, so you're either a follower of the Lamb or you're a follower of the beast. In other words, the world. You go after, you go after the world. You're in love with the world. You're in, you, 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 you walk in the ways of the world system, everything that is anti-Christ, anti-God. What's coming for um, those who are in love with the world is judgment. Again, portrayed here as the wine press of the wrath of God or the undiluted Cup of God's wrath being poured out on the wicked. So it's sure, it's coming. God's determined that. And the second thing is, um, it's it's uh, it's eternal. It's eternal. This this gets disputed a lot in our day, because <laughs> and, and you know and I can understand. I mean, the thought of hell, the thought of e- the eternality of hell, is uh, is so um, hard to to get your mind to get our minds around. Uh, that we, that we just don't like to th- think that it's actually real. But we've got passages like this and others as well, uh, that we have to submit to and say, well, you know, this is the way the Lord said it's gonna be. So for example, again, you go back to, uh, verses 9 and 10 here, 10 and 11. In verse 10, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest night or day. So eternal, sure, uh, wrath to, sure judgment to come and eternal judgment never-ending judgment. And again, all of this, this whole idea is, is conveyed in, in, uh, in the imagery here of uh, the outpouring of his cup and then also the treading of the great winepress in verse 19. In verse 20, And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle, for 1600 stadia. Now, <clears throat> I personally don't don't take that to be literal, but but what it does uh, convey again is the idea of, of the completeness of it and um, how horrific it's going to be. Um, 1600 stadia. Uh, my understanding is that 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 length is about the the total length of the area of Palestine. So you, you'd be talking about that uh, that total area being Flooded with about four foot of blood, blood four feet deep. That's a, um, that's not a pretty picture, is it? And like I say, I I, I don't think it's meant to be taken literally, but I, but I do think it is meant to uh, to give us um to give us a, a, a picture of of how how serious uh, God's judgment is going to be when he comes to judge the world. Now, in all of that, because I know you think judgment, 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 wrath, it's all kind of depressing, isn't it? (laughs) It can be. Uh, But the whole reason he's telling us all of these things is for our assurance as Christians. Because for us, what we have to look forward to is that there's coming a day that God will set things right. I mean, we see a lot of injustice in the world. And so the Bible communicates to us that that's, that's not the end of the story. That's not, that's not the way it, 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 it comes out in, the, in, the, in the, uh, you know, the final picture. God will have justice. He will set things right. The world will be judged. Every, everything that has stood against Him, everybody that has stood against God, will be judged. And then secondly, Christians, the people of God, will be rewarded. Will be rewarded. All right. So God is bringing, as we've said several times, God is bringing all of history to its right end. In that, the, the wicked will be judged and the righteous rewarded. And by righteous, I mean those of us who are in Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ put to our account. It's not, not that we have any good of our own. So that's, that's where we're headed with this. And if you think about Christians in the midst of persecution, which was the case for a lot of Christians when this was first written, and it's the case for a lot of Christians today, Christians in the midst of persecution, this is a very comforting thought, that, that one day um, God's going to set everything right. Christians in places like um, Iraq and Syria... Today, maybe Saudi Arabia, Sudan, some other places, Christians who are living in those environments and uh, are under severe persecution, they know that there's there's coming a day because of passages like this. They know that there's coming a day when um, they will be vindicated. Christ will come in judgment to judge the world and to reward the faithful. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, of comfort here and a lot of assurance for those of us who are in Christ. But it's but it's not a pretty picture. Any uh any questions on any of this? Tonight or, or from this morning? Comments? Wrath's not a real fun subject, is it? But you know what? Um God is holy. And uh, you know, God is love. Twice in John 4, we're told God is love. Well, what we tend to do is put a heavy, heavy emphasis on that. God is love. I'm saying we as human beings, if we believe in God at all. You know, we we tend to put a heavy emphasis on that. And I mean to the point of of taking it to an extreme. So people will say things like, well, you know, um, if God is love then how could there be a hell? How could he send anybody to hell, especially for uh, an eternity? And the answer to that, even though, again, it may be hard for us to get our minds around, uh, the Bible's still clear on it, the answer to that is because God is also holy. In fact, the, the way to understand his love correctly is to first understand that God is holy. So his love is a holy love. It's not the kind of uh, love that um, we all we we often think about uh, just just uh, just strictly human emotions, um, kind of uh, good feeling, mushy stuff. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's it's divine love, and it's a divine love expressed by a holy God who cannot tolerate sin. And evil, and has assured us that, that he will not. So, so he, doesn't, he doesn't sweep things under the rug. He does. Uh, he, 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 there is a, you know, it's waiting for a day to come where his judgment is finally poured out. So, so things kind of, at least from our perspective, it looks like thing, you know, evil just keeps rocking along. Things keep happening. Yes, but um, judgment is coming. It's sure. It's sure. And it's coming because God is holy. And uh, and he cannot and will not tolerate sin. So wrath, wrath is not a real you know God's wrath, and judgment. It's not a real pleasant subject, but um, it's it's an it's a necessary one. If uh, if you believe that God is holy, if you understand the Bible to teach that God is holy. Okay, well we're going to go ahead and prepare for the uh, for the Lord's supper. Um, I don't know, Joel, you mind stepping back there and tell them. Tell them we're ready if they want to come up here.